You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I think it's fair to say he's got shooter's amnesia. Um... And, uh, you know, he's not afraid to, to take the next big one. Um, but both of them were on plays where the ball was inside and then got cut and then sprayed out. So they were good plays. It was the right play. It was the right shot at the right time. What were you thinking when you made a little slip past to Crowder for the three? Uh, I, I had confidence he was going to make it. You know, before that, I told Crowder, you know, even though he missed a couple shots, I said, you got some big shots in you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he's like, I know. And that was, that was it. You know, when I. Uh, when I was, you know, dribble, I said, oh, snap, I'm at 15 feet. I'm about to end this one time. You know what I'm saying? And I thought about MJ passing to Steve Kerr. And I was like, well, let me just add that. <laughs> let me add that to, you know, my legacy. And I'll pass one time. And I, that was it. And they haven't turned it real. And basically. And uh, it was unbelievable, actually, in jeans by me. You know what I'm saying? And that was it. I have no idea what just happened, but somehow the Celtics just beat the 76ers 84 to 80. Let's talk about it. Garden Report, CLNS Radio, and Celtics blog powered by Grandstands. Welcome to the show. I'm Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio. I am back in the saddle, although I won't be here next game. We'll talk about that later. Tom Wensterholm from Mass Live joining me tonight. And what the hell happened in this game? Well, the Celtics almost lost to the Philadelphia 76ers, and that uh, that sentence really has to hurt Brad Stevens and pretty much everybody involved in this game. Uh, just kind of an atrocious game, and then uh, a good two minutes to end it. So it's the uh, Celtics' way, I guess. I, I think pretty much anyone that's ever lived in the city of Boston at one point in their life is probably saddened by the way things are going for the first, what, 42 minutes of the game until the Celtics kind of turn things around the last six minutes. I think that's probably true, except for Phil Pressey, who uh, would be the reverse. But, yeah. Uh, Wall-fame high pride. <laughs> honestly, it was just, uh, just an ugly game. The Celtics looked, uh, Stevens called them tight afterward, which, you know, May or may not be the case. It might have just been that they were bad still. Um, they were good to come out, good out of the gate, you know, 12-2 to start off. Um, a lot of energy in the first couple of minutes, and then everything just kind of sort of, maybe it did tighten up. You know, the ball movement kind of stopped. A lot of bad jumpers, some questionable shot selection, uh, and just the 76ers took over in the paint. The Celtics couldn't do anything in there against the length, against the shot blocking, a ton of turnovers, and um, they just had to, they really kind of had to rally at the end to pull that one out. All right, let's table the bad stuff for part two here. Let's talk about the Jay Crowder three to win the game with 38 seconds left. They, they have kind of like a scramble, and then Evan Turner's driving kind of over the top of the key. He slips a pass just like this, just like straight backwards pass, no look, to Crowder and nails a three. 
And, you know, as we saw at the top of the show, Turner's comments were just legendary afterwards. He really cemented... I, th- I think he's, his comments really cemented his legacy more than <laughs> his actual play. I think that's going to be the case for him with uh, Celtics beat writers at this point. Everybody kind of loves talking to Evan Turner after the game. Um, after the game, Stevens called Crowder's uh, confidence shot amnesia, which was pretty good. I think, uh, you know, he had just missed two free throws, was not having a good game shooting the ball, but that three was huge. Um, and it was just... It capped off what was really a nice defensive run for the Celtics, getting a couple of turnovers. Avery Bradley ripped Robert Covington in just a way that Covington should be embarrassed about um, right before that to set up that three-pointer and that opportunity for the Celtics. So again, it was you know a nice way to kind of end the fourth quarter. Isaiah Thomas said it gave them confidence going forward, and that's you know that's a positive. And Ian Turner talked about the fact that Bradley asked if he could switch on to right. Covington for the stretch of that game, and then Covington had four turnovers there, and that was really what propelled the Celtics was that they weren't playing. I'm going to call it Marcus Smart basketball for most of this game, and then they when they make that switch, Bradley is forcing turnovers. And how many steals did he have tonight? So he had where is he on the stat sheet? Two. There we go. Two steals. They had seven steals, uh, although the um, Sixers had 11, with Covington having six, which is just absurd. But Having Bradley force turnovers, getting Isaiah Thomas exploding in transition, that's what won them the game. And they went on a huge run at the end because Isaiah was just going in transition, drawing fouls, actually hitting shots. And, of course, they hit a few threes finally at the end of the game. Absolutely. And like it's been this whole season, the Celtics just they desperately need those turnovers to create their offense. That wasn't happening for the first part of the game. And that was, I mean, that's against not good point guards. The Sixers do not have anybody who's really capable of, who should be really capable of Although handling the ball. Although we love you, Phil. Yeah, yeah, apologies to Phil Presley. All due respect. <laughs> but they, uh, they really don't have anybody who's capable of handling the ball against people who pressure like the Celtics do, against a Crowder, against a Bradley, against a Smart, who obviously makes a huge difference for this team, as we're seeing over and over again. Um, came together at the end, got started getting those steals, started getting that offense, and that was really important. So how badly do they miss Marcus Smart? Because, I mean, I know they pulled it out at the end. Obviously, I mean, the Sixers are an NBA basketball team, but, like, barely an NBA <laughs> basketball team. You know, and they were really, they really have to trust the process, I guess, after tonight's win. But uh, ever since Smart went down, it's been kind of a disaster for the Celtics. Stevens lost his, he lost his shit on the team after the last game. And everyone in the locker room pretty much acknowledged that. We asked Isaiah Thomas af- uh, after the game, how was Brad at halftime? When even though they weren't, they were only down, was it 47 to 40 at half, mm-hmm. halftime? But they were like god awful in that first half. And he said that Brad was actually just pretty encouraging. He wasn't, he wasn't as down and pissed off as he was the game before. He was trying to just tell them to do your job and stole that one from Belichick, I guess, and you know, try to just be persistent and confident. And they came out there in the second half, and it didn't really happen until really the end of the game. Um, but with Smart out there, he is someone that actually can do that for them for four to eight minutes. And with him gone, they miss it dearly. It's pretty apparent. It is, and I think it's worth noting that, you know, all of the turnovers that they create, Smart creates, you know, maybe – you know, at most, like, you know, his steals are maybe three or four, maybe five in, like, a, a really great game. But it's kind of also the intensity that he brings and just kind of the way that the ball handlers have to fear him. They end up fearing everybody else as well. It's kind of the, you know, the tone that he sets um, and, and just the way that he defends that really kind of rubs off on everybody else but also rubs off on the offense and just kind of makes the opposing team afraid to handle the ball. That's really important. I think that's something that the Celtics are really missing right now. And, I mean, the Philly just drove out at them at will pretty much the entire game. They were not concerned. And, of course, the Celtics were trying to drive through traffic, and they were fumbling the ball away. And, I mean, this game had 18 turnovers from Philly and 16 from the Celtics. It felt like more, honestly. It was really one of the sloppiest games we've seen all year. 
It was. I mean, that, and that's what's going to happen if you play a close game against the Sixers. And to the Sixers' credit, they did play extremely hard. And when you have a team that's desperate for a win and playing extremely hard and also not good at all, uh, you're going to get a sloppy game, and that's that's the way they're going to eventually come away with a win, assuming they don't go 0-82. It's going to be by you know mucking up the game, just making it ugly, you know, and, and, and trying to try to make things difficult for the other team. And the best way they can do that is by playing, you know, forcing them to play sloppy. Yeah, this is one of Philly's best chances to snap that streak, and they almost pulled it off, but they really blew it there at the end. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back for part two. We're going to do our grandstand play of the game in part two because it's going to feed into our uh, non-Celtics conversation we're going to have about Kobe Bryant, which will be interesting. Uh, and then we got to talk about jaw because it's murder so we'll be right back on the garden report on clns radio and celtics blog what was brad like at halftime um just stay at it long game a lot of things didn't go our way but uh, next play mentality he, he wasn't he wasn't really tripping he was just keep making plays keep getting stops and, uh, we'll, we'll be in it in the end <laughs> Evan's a super reliable defender. He's where he needs to be all the time. Um, he is, uh, he's aggressive. He's, you know, he's able to make a shot off the dribble. Um, you know, he couldn't get the ball to fall like he normally does. Um, but he still made enough to kind of keep us hanging around. And, um, you know, I just think it was one of those decisions where, again, I thought we would play small late. And um, because they killed us. When they went small, I thought, for most of the game. Welcome back to the show for part two here. Before we go to the grandstand play of the game, we got to talk about Evan Turner's really remarkably uneven night. So in the first half, I was tweeting about it like crazy. He went one for seven from the field. Pretty much all of his shots were like from 18 feet out, and it was a complete disaster. Then he comes out for the second half. He ends up finishing six for 18. So he shot, it was a five, four, 11 right. in the second half. Not as bad, but he was more of a playmaker, and he was. He had nine rebounds in the game, and he played pretty solid defense for most of the second half. And you know, Brad Stevens talked about the fact that Turner. He feels like Turner's reliable, and we've seen throughout most of Turner's career here that. While he seems to be inconsistent on the kind of like a three-game basis, stuff like that, he tends to always get out there and at least get the assignments from Stevens. And this year, he seems to be more generally consistent, and even if he has some really ugly stretches in the game, it tends to kind of even out over time. It does. You know, he's... He's one of those guys, you know, obviously he packs the box score. You know, we've, we've seen that from him quite a bit. Um, he, he's, his three-point percentage is in the toilet. He's in the teens at this point. And, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting to watch him continue to try to make, you know, two or three three-pointers a game when it's just clearly not what he should be doing. I think that speaks to what Brad Stevens is asking from the rest of the team, that he thinks that he should be trying to do that as well. Uh, but he does, he, he honestly brings a lot to this team in terms of, you know, getting not to the rim, although he does do that sometimes, but, you know, getting to that area where he's good and just kind of creating the shots that he likes. Uh, and, and that's really his strength, is creating those shots and then using those shots to find teammates to, to create for others off those shots and off the space that he creates in the paint for himself. Isn't it ironic that the guy whose logo is him going like this for the threes made <laughs> is shooting like below 20% almost at this point from downtown? It is. I, it's, it's still a great logo, yeah. uh, just completely inaccurate. I mean, he, he can talk a good game. There's, no, <laughs> there's one thing we were talking about it off the air. He is just like, quotes gold right now. He's been on fire for like a few weeks now with just a, a hilarious quote pretty much every single night. Every single night. He's hilarious. His latest quote was... On, it was, was his latest quote the best of the year? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. It's I'd pretty close. It's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another comparison. So go to, to Jordan, the, go to yeah. the beginning of part one if you missed it. <laughs> um, and let's talk about Ja. It's Murdo. Ja Rule 
I mean Charul. Jalil Okafor, see, he's got me there. He is just incredible. He doesn't even need Ir Irv Gotti feeding him the ball. I mean, he is just the perfect 19-year-old post player. I mean, just the footwork is at a 30-year-old's uh, well, like level. The way he passes out of double teams, not only does he just like, you know, a lot of, I'd say, developing big men, if they get a double team, they can kick it back out to the guy who fed them the ball. Mm -hmm. But he's looking around, fighting shooters that are open. He's doing the kind of stuff that, like, people are praising DeMarcus Cousins for doing last year in, like, his, what, fifth or sixth year in the league. Right. He's 19, he's, he doesn't turn 19 until December 15th this year. It's in, or sorry, doesn't turn 20 until December 15th. Okafor offensively is just incredible. Defensively, a lot to improve on. And there was a lot of concern about whether he could be an NBA defender coming to the draft. I think we're not really questioning that so much anymore. It's just whether he can be a good enough defender to, I guess, play next to Nerlens Noel. Right. I, I don't think he's Al Jefferson in terms of his defense, uh, you know, in terms of his defensive, like, efficiency and talent. I think he's better than that. Um, but he's, offensively, he's incredible. You know, he, he's passing out, of, like you said, he's passing out of double teams, but they're skip passes. You know, he's on one side of the lane, and he's finding three-point shooters on the other side. And that's, that's where you get really valuable, you know, back-to-the-basket touches. And, obviously, his touch is incredible. You know, when, he's, when he goes up for those little jump hooks, if it hits the rim, it's probably going in the way he gets the rotation on the ball. He can absorb contact. And he, he just really he does an, a spectacular job when he gets the ball in the post. He needs people finding him. That's the biggest issue for them right now. Uh, the Celtics had David Lee on him for a while, and the Sixers did not take advantage in the first half, which just really seemed like a huge waste. But when he has a guy one-on-one, -on -one, he's deadly. When he has a double team, he's a great passer. I think there's a lot to like about him. And Stevens agreed with his uh, pregame comments. He seems to be really impressed with Ja. 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 Okay, so let's go to our Grandstand play of the game. I'm sure you're familiar with Grandstand by now. It is the app for sports fans in the stands. Whether you're at home and want to see highlights from the fans' perspective or you're in the garden here at an NBA stadium somewhere in the world and you want to show off the highlights from your view, go use the Grandstand app. You can download it on the apps at the App Store or you can go to grandstand.me to check it out. So let's take a look at what happened in the Warriors versus Lakers game last night uh, two nights ago for you watching this now uh, the Warriors dismantled the Lakers and you know the Warriors they break the record for best start of the season they're an incredible team they're one of the most exciting basketball teams ever really to watch definitely the most definitely one of the most in my lifetime and the thing is the Lakers made it so easy for them because Kobe Bryant is refusing to acknowledge the fact that he's not 28 years old and, you know, last year before he got hurt, the team was looking pretty brutal because they were so – he decided that he wanted to run an isolation offense through he, through himself. And you're seeing it this year. It's like the same thing, but he is so much – he's so physically diminished compared to even where he was last year, which was a shell of himself before. He can, like, barely even move down the court. There's this one gift that was on the top of Reddit the other day was uh, C.J. McCollum had like a 30-foot behind, or I guess Kobe had like a 30-foot head start on him. Yeah. And Kobe started sprinting, or what looked like a light jog, and McCollum just blew him away that Kobe didn't even defend the shot. It's like Kobe is, it's painful to watch now. And I'm sure a lot of Celtics fans are experiencing just like the ultimate orgasm of Sheldon Freud right now, watching Kobe just like miserably limp through his final season, what I assume is his final season. But as someone who loves basketball, it's it sucks to see. And from a perspective of righteousness, I want to see him acknowledge the fact that he's not that good anymore and adjust to the role. Because it's, it's, it's like it's ridiculous and it's annoying to watch. And the Lakers' offense, or at least their lineup, has a lot of talent, especially offensively. So a lot of talented guys out there that are, really are having their careers stunted by having to be smothered by Kobe. Well, and obviously it's a lot of young talent, which doesn't always necessarily generate wins, which is what Kobe wants, you know, 
second most. I think what he wants most is getting some getting some buckets up there. But he uh, well, he, he said even if he scored 80 points, he still wouldn't have won the right. game. So apparently, he wants a win. Right. Well, and he also said he's capable of 35 a night. So we can I'm take sure everything he, he says I'm with sure a grain of salt at this point. Um, the toughest thing to watch with him, you see Dirk Nowitzki, you see Tim Duncan, and these are guys who have adjusted their careers. They know where they're at. Obviously, they're bigger, so it's easier to adjust their careers. You know, so much of Kobe's game when he was younger is was built off his physical dominance, his quickness, his explosiveness. Those are completely gone. You know, C.J. McCollum showed that off the other day. Um, but it's you know it's tough to see, especially when Kobe does kind of have the skill set to be a wing who ages nicely. He's got the post-up game. He's got the fadeaway jumper. He's got the mid-range game that a lot of you know aging players can use. And he's just it, it's just I think it's over for him. He doesn't he doesn't have the mentality to accept being um, you know a lesser role on a team the way that Duncan and Nowitzki do. And that's brutal for the Lakers, and it, it's tough to watch. Sad. It's a sad note to leave the Garden Report on, but we have to sign off. So, for Tom, I'm Jared. We will see you next time. I will be out Friday. I'll be in Chicago with family, so I'll see you for the one after that. But we should have Sam Packard and Kevin O'Connor filling in for us, so definitely tune in for that show. So that'll do it for us in the Garden Report. The Celtics win 84-80 to over the Sixers. Peace out. Yeah, you know, Boston fans pretty tough. And, um, but at the end of the day, we know they're behind us, and they're going to rally and stay, stay the course. But they knew we were slacking in the effort division a little bit tonight. And uh, I think everybody in the arena saw that. I saw they saw another team playing harder than us, and they wanted us to play hard. So we had to step it up, when, um, and we got the win. Did you find something? No, I don't blame them at all. No. Everybody in the gym. <laughs> I don't blame them. I appreciate them staying, staying the course, though. <laughs>
He is, uh, he's aggressive. He's, you know, he's able to make a shot off the dribble. Um, you know, he couldn't get the ball to fall like he normally does. Um, but he still made enough to kind of keep us hanging around. And, um, you know, I just think it was one of those decisions where, again, I thought we would play small late. And um, because they killed us when they went small, I thought, for most of the game. Brad, do you take the, lat the first 42 minutes and dissect it and judge it, or do you take the last six? I mean, how do you break down a game where you don't? Well, I just said, I just said, Gary, we started off the game great. Um, when they went small, they killed us. You know, and their athleticism in the paint really hurt us. Um, they blocked shots. They were to loose balls, and then we tightened up. Um, we did not stop defending, which was good. Um, you know, I think the the first three quarters probably were best summed up by the last two plays of the first half where, you know, we miss a layup on the break and they hit a three at the horn. Um, and so it was just going to be one of those nights where you had to kind of stay together. My challenge to this team last night was we're not connected enough. And they showed pretty good connectivity to win that game because it would have taken, it would have been easy to, to fold the tent um, with the way things were going. The, the 14, they had 14 blocks. Did, how did that affect you going in the paint when it seemed like you guys were either getting blocked or making yeah, a mistake? I mean, we got to make, we got to be good about knowing when to shoot, when to kick out. Um, they were swarming the paint. They not only blocked shots, they turned us over on the dribble quite a bit. They have very active hands. They're one of the league leaders in turnovers. You know, they're seventh overall in half court defense in the league. So it's hard for teams to score on them. And if you've watched their last few games, I mean, this is what their last few games have been like. You know, they're up by 15 at Miami. They're up 10 in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go. They're up five with three or four minutes to go at Minnesota. And uh, obviously up whatever they were up today. And, and um, you know, I, I, I certainly feel for them um, because they, they gave a great, great effort and were exceptionally coached. And, um, you know, but I am happy that our guys stayed together because that was the that was the most important thing tonight. Brad, beyond what they did to you in the paint, I mean, in terms of the block shots, were you happy with the shot selection? Were you happy with what well, you We were can't getting? try to go through guys that are, you know, continuously blocking our shots. Obviously, we've got to be better about making those decisions. But, you know, you get to the point, Mark, where you haven't played well for a couple of games and you're down at home and there's all the, you know, you can kind of feel the deflation in the air, right? And, and so you try to hit home runs instead of just hit singles, take easy plays and, um, you know, I thought once we started moving the ball and spraying it out a little bit more, we were a lot better. Coach, this is the first time this season that you guys needed to hit big shots down the stretch to win a game. How important is that experience? Well, I think the biggest thing about tonight, Mark, is that, you know, we didn't play great um, for a lot of the game from a shot-making standpoint, but we can, kept guarding. You know, even though, um, you know, it's hard for the bench to be too upbeat because of the way they were shooting the ball. There was great encouragement when they came to the sidelines and everything else. And then, you know, found a way together. And, you know, it wasn't one guy. It wasn't a guy that started the second half that hit the big shots. Um, and, hey, we, ne we needed a team thing to go well. And so that's a, that's a positive for us. Brad, you referenced uh, just the team being tight a couple of times here. What 
do you, what do you think caused that specifically? Is that just playing Philly? Is that like the fact? I think, the way the I think it's probably a combination of things. Probably playing Philly. Probably how you know you know we we had some real conversations, um, and then not playing well for a couple of games now. Um, you know we'll see if we can play well off the last six minutes or not. But you know I'm not. You know hey I, I think we've got a lot of work to do. I've said that from day one. This is this is one of those games where we didn't shoot well, but we did a lot of other things well, and we probably need to be better in our shot selection. Um, you know, we need to be better coached and in some of the calls and those type of things, or at least settling us down after we have a couple of possessions that don't go our way. Um, Brad, before today's game, and now you're saying you mentioned how the guys need to stay connected. How much does defensive communication play a role in that? I think it's an example of it. I think it's a good example and a good illustration of that. Um, but you know, I just think I think that our our greatest hope is to be a a real connected group and a real team, um, and to play to to find great passion for each other on every given day. And um, you know, that's why I was so encouraged again by the end. And speaking of the end. The way Jay was able to bounce back from those two missed free throws and, and hit huge shot. Talk about just his, his mental toughness and what you've seen in that aspect from him. Well, I think it's fair to say he's got shooter's amnesia, um, and uh, you know he's not afraid to to take the next big one. Um, but both of them were on plays where the ball was inside and then got cut and then sprayed out. So they were good plays. It was the right play. It was the right shot at the right time. Final question, Gary. Sorry, Brett. Right. On on the three second call that you guys picked up, that you it, it seemed we heard you from because um, it was quiet in there, so we heard you arguing that from from press row. And have you ever kind of counted out a three second call so adamantly in front of an official like that? You, the next time down, you you guys are able to, to get the three second call kind of back. Did you? Have you I mean, done I, that before? I wasn't counting it out. I wasn't counting it like one, two, three. I just thought it was three seconds. So I, I mentioned it, and I, it was. Um, but it was three seconds on us to play before, too. Um, and um, you know, I probably shouldn't have argued that one because we were definitely in the lane for three seconds. Thanks. Great shooting. Uh, you know, I was trying to you know compete with my effort, and once again, you know, defensively, uh, you know, just compete. That's pretty much it. Uh, bring energy, um, you know. I didn't make uh, all the shots I wanted to, but I thought I got to my spots and I made, you know, made shots when they counted. And I also thought I missed some I would totally make, you know, any other day. And uh, you know, once again, defensively, I was, I was been trying to get better and better each day, and um, you know, just just play at a high level and get more than one effort. What do you think was the key to you guys finally getting past this team, kind of putting away those last couple of games? I mean, sticking with that one, uh, one. I think our communication definitely picked up. I think, you know, you got down deep and, and just kept competing and kept wearing them down. And I think, you know, once you uh, get on a run and, you know, with the crowd going crazy, I think uh, the rest did itself, you know. I think we knew, uh, you know, we stuck with it. We were going to be able to win. And uh, we knew, you know, being down four, you know, after Ogilvy made that free throw or whatever, got the end one, we were still confident we could win the game. So that's all we were preaching. Brad said initially he thought you guys might have actually been a little tied up there. Just trying to get over the hump again. Did you see that? 
Uh, I, I think certain players we made was kind of tough. You know what I'm saying? I think we passed up certain shots or whatever. But, you know, I, I think we just kept, you know, kept going with it. You know what I'm saying? And um, playing and, and doing what we needed to do. So, what is that? You also talked about uh, the way he put it. You guys all had some real conversations. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we were talking. Um, I think we were speaking all we recognized out there. We are you know, directing each other. You know, I know Avery uh, asked me to switch with him, with Covington, because he felt like he needed a couple of steals, and he for sure got two or three steals that led to uh, points in transition. And, uh, you know, inevitably to win it. And, uh, you, know, um, Jay, you know, Jay made some pretty big plays, and I think uh, our communication really got us to win. What were you thinking when you made a little slip pass to Crowder uh, I, I had confidence he was going to make it. You know, before that, I told Crowder, you know, even though he missed a couple of shots, I said, you, you got some big shots in you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he's like, I know. And that was, that was it. You know, when I uh, when I was, you know, dribbled myself, snap, I'm at 15 feet. I'm about to end this one time. You know what I'm saying? And I thought about MJ passing to Steve Kerr. And I was like, well, let me just add that. <laughs> let me add that to, you know, my legacy. And I'll pass one time. And uh, that was it. And they haven't turned real. And basically. And uh, it was unbelievable. Actually, in jeans by me, you know what I'm saying? And that was it. Y'all good? I mean, a little bit. I just, we didn't want them, their first win to be against us. Um, so that last three or four minutes was was, was a confidence builder for, for us because they didn't look good for us for most of the game. And, um, like I said, we just buckled down. Avery made some big defensive stops. Guys boxed out, and we got out and running, and we got some easy buckets. And then Jay made a couple big, big shots for him. Did you feel like you had to kind of take it on your shoulders a little bit offensively when guys were scuffling a little bit? A little bit. I mean, I, I seen it was opening up for me. I just wanted to make plays, man. I, whether it was me scoring or trying to get other, others involved, my job is to make plays, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, I just try to do the best I can. I'm reading what they were giving me, and, and and we got the win, so I'm, I'm happy about it. Did you start feeling them tense up in the last three minutes? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, they they made some some key turnovers. I mean, where some of the time they just gave us the ball. And, um, you could tell. I think they've been in they they've been in position to win games. They just they're a young team. They, it's just tough for them right now. We we really buckled down and locked in, and I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. Will winning make Turkey taste better. No doubt. I probably wouldn't have things given. Oh no, no, you got it. You, got it. Uh, you guys want the small a lot more often at the second half of Crowder at the four. How much does that help you out in terms of being able to operate on offense to increase space? Um it, it gives me a lot of space to, to create. Um, it helps me out a lot. Um, as long as we we're doing our job on the defensive end, I think coach likes that lineup where we do go small because it makes teams adjust to us. Brad said he felt like you guys got a little tense after that fast start and pretty much through the rest of until late in the fourth quarter. Did you feel that? Um, I didn't. It's just we wasn't we weren't getting no stops. Like, I think we scored when we wanted to. We got the shots we wanted, but it's either they get an offensive rebound, put back, offensive rebound three or something, where are we a turn the ball over? They get something easy. And you can't do that with teams in the NBA, especially at home. Um, we we learned from that, and we like I said, we locked in that last. Five minutes, man, and, and just made plays and and, and willed ourselves to a win. I feel like you found that spark that's been missing. A little bit. Hopefully, this is a confidence builder for us. Um, we just gotta whatever funk we're in, we gotta get out of it and and and, and 
have a short memory, whether it's good or bad. Fred also mentioned there have been some conversations over the last 24 hours. Can you share with us what those were? Um, basically, just whatever your job is, do your job and do it at a high level. Um, no complaining. I mean, he knows everybody wants to play, and it's, it's a hard, hard and tough decision for him. But if you're about this team, you're just going to do whatever's best for the team. And, uh, that's basically what he was talking about. What was Brad like at halftime? Um, just stay at it. Long game. A lot of things didn't go our way, but uh, next play mentality. He, he wasn't. He wasn't really tripping. He was just keep making plays, keep getting stops. And, uh, we'll, we'll be in it in the end. Thank you. You lost the last two games. Are you surprised that you guys could come out and get a 10 point lead and give it up right away? Yeah, a little bit. I thought we would have a little bit more um, fighting us uh, early and keep it on them. Uh, we let up and they kept like again. They play very hard and they, they compete at a high level. So uh, we let up a little bit and it came back behind us and we, had, we, we kept ourselves uh, in the hole for the most, majority of the game. Basic line is when it's balls on the floor, it's a loose ball. It's the line is first on the floor wins. Yep. And it was them most yeah. of the night. And I think one of the uh, late, later timeouts, uh, Brad said, we got to be the first to the floor. He, he caught that out because they, had, they, they got a couple more possessions on us late. Uh, we're, we're just being, being more hungry than us. And I think we got to get back to the base of all of our, all of our guys uh, being, being very hungry throughout the course of the game, not just starting the game, not just at the end, but throughout the whole course of the game. We haven't yet to put a whole game together yet. Just how disappointing would it have been to have lost this game and just how much of a I mean, boost is it that you came back and won? You, you guys know how, how much of a disappointment it has been. Very, very, very disappointing and, and to all of us, uh, coaches and players. So, uh, it's, it's, We'll take it at the same time, but we got we got a lot a lot of good and better to do. You know, we got a lot of work to do, and I can't dwell on what what if what what would have happened. But we got the win, and we should you know, move on and try to learn something. So, what kind of a boost is it coming back? And I know they are when it seemed that you came back and won the game. It would be a, a good boost going into Thanksgiving, eating with our families and uh, <laughs> rekindling. I like, like like stepping back from from basketball for a day and uh, being with being with loved ones and just coming back. Uh, trying to get a win at, in our, at our home, uh, on our home court against a good Washington. Uh, what, what did it feel like when your own crowd is hooting uh, on you guys, blowing you guys? Yeah, you know, Boston fans pretty tough. And um, but at the end of the day, we know they're behind us and they're going to rally and stay, stay the course. But they knew we were slacking in the effort division a little bit tonight. And uh, I think everybody in the arena saw that. I saw they saw another team playing harder than us, and they wanted us to play hard. So. We had to step it up when, um, and we got the win. Did you find something? No, I don't blame him at all. No. Everybody in the gym. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't blame him. I appreciate him staying, staying the course, though. I don't know if you've asked this already, but Brad said you guys had some real conversations over the past 24 hours. Yeah, we're just trying to figure it out. Obviously, we're, we're lacking in some areas, uh, team wise, and uh, we're spinning a little bit sometimes when, it, when, it, when the pressure gets stuck. I think that's the sign of a young team trying to grow. Uh, but we got a lot of figuring out to do, and it's going to be an uphill battle. But at the same time, uh, we got to we got to put game plans together, and we got to execute it. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And uh, I think every guy in the locker room is, has to be held accountable to it, and, uh, including coaches. And uh, we go from there. Do you think you guys found something there in that last few minutes of spark that maybe had been missing? Togetherness. Like I said, we've splinter, we've splinter in, in past times when it when it going gets tough. And the ground was definitely tough there that last stretch of the fourth quarter. We had to do it together, and that's what happened.
Jay, you're a guy that feeds off the crowd energy a lot. So what did you think of their energy down the stretch? There? Well, I heard a couple boos, like I said earlier. But I didn't let that affect me. Um, I figured uh, we had to step up. And um, I knew we were a couple of players away from blowing the roof off the place. And that's what happened. You know? And um, the fans still stayed with us. And like you said, I feed off of that. And I, I think our defense, we got two critical stops late in the game with our defense, with our crowd behind us and guys on the floor talking and communicating. So it was all great. Jay, how did uh, people like 14 shots? I mean, they were aggressive. Yeah. How did that affect you guys? Yeah, it affected us a little bit. You know, we got um, two deep men sometimes. And instead of at least touching the paint and then spreading it out and then, you know, playing like that. Uh, and I think we should have started earlier because we uh, built confidence within ourselves within our shots. And we struggled throughout the whole game because we tried to go through the rim and they were there. And we didn't make the right adjustments. But uh, we adjusted in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and got the win. Could you see something in their eyes last in that last 30 seconds or something? They, they wanted to win. They wanted to win the ball game, and I, they, they were very confident. And I remember Isaiah saying, man, they're, talk, they're talking smack. So, and there's nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, they had all the right to talk smack. They, they were beating us, you know. And you know, he was, Isaiah was like, they're talking smack, so we got to step up right here, fellas. And we, we, that's what we tried to do. We tried to play harder than them and try to execute what we wanted to do. So like, close our world a little bit harder. But they, they felt... I feel pretty good about themselves, especially late. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's causing us to turn the ball over. Um, luckily, it's something that's fixable. Um, we usually have five or six wins right now. So, uh, that's a positive thing. And we're competing with teams. Uh, the record really doesn't show you know, how good we are as a team. We just have a trouble just finishing it up. When you have that three-point play, Put y'all up 70 to 59. Right there, did you think y'all had it? Uh, I didn't think it was over. Uh, by any, I didn't think it was over by any means. Um, I didn't think it was over by any means. No. If you had to go back and do it over again tonight, how would you guys close out the game differently or better? I'm not sure. Ask, ask Coach. Uh, I looked at the fans like this. Uh, probably take care of the ball, but everything else will live with. So on the last play there, were you guys trying to get a side pick and roll to have you attacking at the hoop? No, we, uh, it was just a play with a bunch of different options. One of the options was for the to shot, it was an easy shot to each of us. They would make more times than that. I mean, would you guys try, I mean, you didn't have a field goal down the last six minutes of the game, but were you guys trying to do that, try to actually get the shots to fall? We had one field goal in the last six minutes. Was that? We had one field goal oh, one. in the last oh, okay. six minutes. Uh, the last question. I'm trying to execute. Some real conversation. Mm -hmm. What? What was that? What? Real conversation. Yeah, it was just him being honest yeah. with what he's seen, and obviously it kind of worked today. Was it just to the team? Or was no, it he, he, he dressed everybody and just told him what he's seen, and um. You know, I really don't like giving out locker room information. So that's between us. Well, just a general theme. What was he trying to get across to you guys when he talked to you? Play the way we've been playing. That's pretty much it. Just play the way we've been playing and keep playing hard. You mentioned that you guys are, came out, felt like you guys were a little tight tonight. Maybe because of that. Did you, did you get that sense at all? No, no. You know, the thing is, man, is um, Philly plays so hard. You got to give Philly uh, uh, respect. They play so hard every night. And... Um, 
their record doesn't really show how good they can be. You know, um, they make they made their mistakes down at the end, but you know the way they play on both sides of the basketball is 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 ideal for for every basketball team. What do you think put you guys over the top down the stretch? Little man over there. Little man over there kind of kind of took charge on, on the offense in a little bit. Um, Avery defended defended his ass off today. Um, you know, Jay Jay made big plays. Um, Et made big plays, and we we played like a unit that last six minutes on the defense end, and um, we played tremendous. You surprised it took you guys that long tonight to kind of get to that point where you got everyone kind of clicking. No, nah, I thought we I thought we played hard on both sides of the ball. Um, shots wasn't falling, but we kept defending. And um, there was a lot of times where the ball didn't bounce our way. <laughs> and um, you know, sometimes that, that's just the, the way the night goes. But um, for us to stay the course and, and keep the same attitude going going forward, uh, it, it, it was it was really helpful. It was a common uh, effect going forward in the fourth quarter. How you, were you guys able to decide when to double Okafor? When just to leave you on an island against him? You got to give people different looks when they when they get that much freedom. Uh, you know, I know people got analytical stats, and he, I don't know how many times he touches the ball. He gets a lot of touches. He gets a lot of touches, and and sometimes you know, um, when you get a lot of touches, you kind of get a rhythm, and so sometimes you want to break the rhythm, and then sometimes you just want to guard him one on one, just you know, keep him on his toes. So um, I thought we did a tremendous job on it, um, and we made everything tough. I mean, he made some tough shots, and um, happy birthday. What was it like going against Pressy out there? Oh man, it was like a reunion. Man. Um, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, he's one of the good guys in this league. In this league, and um, he's a pro's pro at an early age. You know, he's always getting his work in. Um, he's always playing 110 percent. Uh, he deserves everything he gets. He was looking to score against you guys a lot. Um, I think that's just because of the scouting report. We wanted him to make make him score. Um, you know, because um, Phil's a fast first point guard, and and we wanted to make. Him Make him a little uncomfortable by making um, sport of basketball. And I thought we did a good job.